0: This is the Village Church Q&A Podcast,
1: where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome.
0: Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A Podcast. Pastor Michael here with you. I'm in the studio again with my wife, Brianne Danielle Fueling, licensed professional clinical oh counselor, licensed clinical professional counselor. Yeah, yeah I got it, Yay. Awesome. Stars. Florist extraordinaire, floral excellence, whoop, whoop. and she is here this week answering our counseling questions. Yesterday, we launched off with the question, my parents are hoarders, help, and uh, really got down into diagnosing what that might look like, talking about the spectrum of hoarding. Today, we want to go a little bit deeper into the question. So Brianne, why don't you launch us off? Read us what our listener asked.
1: Okay. So my parents are hoarders, help. My aging parents sometimes think I'm dishonoring them. When I try to lovingly help them clean things up, they have become hoarders and their home is actually dirty. It's hard to visit them for an extended time, such as a weekend. Do I stop trying to help them in this way? Should I help my parents who are hoarders, even if they don't want my help? And so yesterday we talked a little bit about just what hoarding is, the fact that it's a spectrum, the inability to resist the urge to continue to buy or acquire more things, disposing of unneeded items, and putting things into a regular place. And so I just want to focus on the second and third aspects of that question today, which are it's hard to visit them for an extended period of time. Do I stop trying to help them in this way? And should I help my parents who are hoarders, even if they don't want my help? Mm. But these questions really apply to so many different aspects of life, which is why we wanted to make sure we gave them a proper attention not just a hoarding. So, so many people experience this question with aging parents on a multitude of
0: subjects. I mean, you have dementia, you have financial issues, where do they live, health health, issues, hoarding issues, diabetics. how they
1: handle sugar, medical
0: issues, but also
1: not just with parents. This, this really applies. Like you see a friend who has a problem. They're not asking for my help. Do I throw in my two cents? Do I,
0: what if they don't want your help and they're going to do what they're going to do, even if it inconveniences them and everyone around them.
1: Exactly. I would love to get your opinion, Michael. How do we help people who don't want our help? How do we set boundaries? How do we approach them? How do we love them in these kind of situations when they're not necessarily asking for it? In fact, in this situation, they they have refused it and do not want it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think most of the time we when we're in a circumstance with somebody who is resistant, one of two things has happened. Either number one, Uh, we have approached the issue in a way that is unhelpful for that person. Mm -hmm. We may not have intended to do that, but that is oftentimes the result. Mm -hmm. So people often have to think, am I the right person to have this conversation? So even this week, uh, I had to have two conversations with people in our church, and they were trying to figure out how to have a hard conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. And my, my advice to both of them was, you shouldn't have that conversation. Somebody else needs to have that conversation because of the relationship and the dynamics. And so at, at some point it's, it's the who, then there's the how. There are some people that if you approach them verbally, they mm-hmm. will not respond. You need to write a letter, yes. give it to them in a neutral environment, give them time to process. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge aspect because human to human, there's going to be a level of defensiveness in there. Yep. So I would say a lot of times, not all the time, but it is a matter of the wrong person or the wrong method was used for that particular person. I find myself in the circumstance, I underestimate how deep the problem or the pain really is. And I approach it giving the person the benefit of the doubt, like thinking they can handle this conversation, not realizing I have poked on something that is deep and painful. I have asked people, in fact, I asked somebody a, a question today and their response to me was, surprising and what i realized in the response was oh my goodness i'm tapping into something deeper than i ever thought it was before mm-hmm. and i did not see it coming and it wasn't bad intention i just realized right. i'm i'm provoking a wound here but the second thing is you may be dealing with somebody who will not change
1: mm-hmm. who
0: does not want to change and there could be nothing that you would do differently Because doggone it, they are going to do what they're going to do. And at that point, if it's sin, we start talking about things like church discipline, et cetera. But that is a level of belligerence and pride that you need to make sure you're not dealing with a broken or wounded spirit versus a belligerent person. And that's a huge distinction.
1: And that takes a lot of wisdom to discern that factor. And I think a lot of time and a lot of knowledge accumulation so we always kind of do like a needs assessment when we're looking into any kind of situation and we try to look at it from an outside perspective and think okay so what's going on with my parents here is this belligerence is it pride well probably there is some of that in there but is it only that or is it like you said a a deep wounding that i don't even maybe know where that came from or why that's happening
0: so major consistent issue that Parents that are growing older are dealing with the younger kids. As a dad, I want to be my kid's hero. I am their provider. I am strong. I am wise. There is this entire persona in terms of how I deal with my kids. Well, as I get older, my body fails me. My mind fails me. It's embarrassing. There's a Mm -hmm. loss of dignity. Now to the kid, the kid would say, you don't have to be embarrassed. You know, like this is what happens. We've been expecting this. We knew you would get older. It doesn't make it easy, but like I'm here for you. But the mom and the dad... It is really hard to have your child come up to you and say, you've let me down or right. you are wrong or you need to change because they're used to being the one who having to do yep, that. It's
1: a reversal of generational lines. Yeah. And so we usually try to keep generational lines like in a forward motion with yep. the oldest being on the top and being the best and the wisest. And at that point, we have to have a vulnerability that allows those generational lines to be blurred and to ask yep. for help from those but younger that, generations. That means
0: that the children – Need to be very aware and attentive to the insecurity.
1: I just want to talk about that for a second, going back to what you previously mentioned. So the first thing you kind of mentioned has to do a lot with shame. And so we have to be very mindful of the role that shame and the lies that come with shame plays in this whole entire subject and many other subjects, whether it be feeling health or financial decisions or any of those kind of decisions and be thinking, okay, we have to be very mindful and wise as to how shame is affecting the situation, but at the same time, not let those lies continue to pervade and feed them into the lives and the minds of the people that we know. The second thing that you mentioned is that, you know, sometimes you're not the person to have that conversation. I encourage people all the time to call, whether it's their spouse's doctor or their children's doctor or their parents' doctor or whoever it may be, Mm -hmm. but to build relationships with the other people who have voices into your loved one's lives and communicate directly to them. HIPAA exists for that doctor not to be able to share anything with you unless they have consent, but you can tell anything you want to to anyone's doctor for them to be able to have that information. And so whether it's hoarding, whether it's health issues, whatever it may be, I encourage people all the time to go and give that information. They probably will not be able to give you feedback or acknowledge maybe even that 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 person's their patient. If you don't already have access to that healthcare information, but you can give them all the information in the world that you want to give them and ask them, have these conversations with my parents, please. Please talk about their environment. Please yeah. talk about things that are impeding. Please talk about is their home safe. Please talk about whatever it may be. So we begin to almost solicit and invite other voices into our right. parents' or people's lives to be able to have these conversations so that we find, therefore, the people who can have these conversations and who are the right people to have those conversations. I think another aspect that you mentioned, too, is that writing a letter or putting it in some kind of form that they can process at a different time with hoarding. One thing I think that is particularly advantageous to people, you know, I do this for anger problems or all sorts of different things, taking pictures of what the house actually looks like and what it was and maybe building a little bit of a scrapbook to show them, Okay, this is what the house has looked like, you know, up until this point. I want you to really look at some of these pictures and really taking pictures of maybe some of the the ugliest, grossest aspects of it, zooming in on dirt or whatever it may be, and just gently, lovingly printing off those pictures and being able to say, okay, so I need you just to process that this is the reality. This is what someone else would see if they came into this home. This is not okay. It is not okay to live in this environment. Is
0: it fair to say if you're the hoarder, you don't want this exposed so you experience more shame?
1: Yes, and you don't even... I think a lot of times know that it's there or want to acknowledge yeah. that it's there. So you don't even know hoarding is a maladaptive form of, of seeking control and trying to make things right in your yeah. life. Not many people go into hoarding thinking this will be the way that I cured my heart's <laughs> yeah. longings and desires. So there's that exposure to it. But a lot of times it's even the denial of it. So sometimes it's even admitting that it's a problem and then exposing the problem that you just discovered was yeah. a problem is so... You know, makes you so vulnerable and it's very hard to admit. And then you think you can fix it on your own. But a lot of times when we get to these points, we can't fix it on our own anymore. And so a lot of times children want to be the person who help. And I think they have an absolute role in this. But statistically and by all means research. The best thing is to do is to invite a professional organizer into the house or maybe a friend who they don't know who hasn't the gift of organization to be able to be the one to have these conversations yep. so that it doesn't have to be their children attacking that identity, as we yep. talked about yesterday. But it can be someone else, a more neutral third party, yep. having those
0: conversations. Anonymity on that one, like having somebody you don't know so that your right. social sphere is now not affected yes. by it.
1: And that you can be the supporter of your parents then yeah. and the cheerleader in that rather than having to be the more difficult role.
0: Here's a piece of advice. Maybe you're the person who has a hunch that you're a hoarder or you know you are. Rather than put your family in the position to confront you, own it to Mm -hmm. family members that you feel safe with and Mm -hmm. ask them to come alongside of you and get help. Now, As I say that, what you're literally asking someone to do is to dismantle your identity. Yeah. And that is objectively hard. But... It's worth it. When you play the long game, rather than the short, immediate ease of life, right? You play the long game, you're happier in the long run. Killing those things now or beginning to to dismantle some of those things now brings significant amount of joy and relational peace later. Right.
1: And so let's get to the bottom of what that even is, right? So that's actually inviting someone to call out your blind spot. And this gets the question, should I help my parents who are hoarders even if they don't want my help? Should we help our friends even if they don't want their help? Well, my firm belief is yes because love is not always butterflies and daisies and chocolates and I'm a florist, right? So those things are important to me, but oftentimes it is calling out the Mm -hmm. hard things that no one else was willing to say to someone and saying to them, you know what? You do need help. And, and I can't keep my mouth quiet. There's no real peace here. So if I pretend like there's peace here, there's not, that's, that's a joke. That's not loving you. It's actually at the expense of you. So, I can't make you do, like in this case, you can't make anyone mm-hmm. oftentimes do anything, but you can continue to say your opinion, putting it on the table, lovingly and gently calling it out and calling them into, which is what I was going to get to before, what is really going on behind this, which yeah. is submitting to God and trusting him with the control in your life and not giving that power to things. Matthew six nineteen through 21 says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And anyone who knows a hoarder knows that those things are treasures where moth and rust destroy, right? And where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And that last line is a kicker. And that's when we have to be able to see like, where do I want my heart to be? Do I want it to be in these things in my house? Do I want it to be in this dirt? Do I want it to be in this trash? As hoarding often goes from useful items to non useful items to trash and to things that really are actually disgusting rather than just non useful. But really helping people to understand and handle their anxiety and meet their emotional needs by trusting in God rather than in things, for understanding how they can build a relationship with Him to bring satisfaction to them and to learn what is valuable. What is treasure? Well, the people in your life, they're treasure. If your things are creating an environment, where the people that love you can't come visit and stay for the weekend, well, then that's a really sad, hard reality. Because you're
0: choosing your stuff over your relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's inconsequential stuff. It's stuff that you'll probably never, ever use again, touch. But
1: even if you did, like once every five years, we always have to think if we hand to stuff in excess and accumulate the stuff, there's no other option that stuff always isolates. Mm. And so we have to always be choosing relationships over stuff and looking at what that looks like and how we proceed and walk in that way. So God is ultimately the one who can calm our anxieties. We've talked before in other podcasts about anxiety, and we can refer back to those and have more conversations about that, I'm sure coming up in the future, but he is the one who has to be able to be at the center of this. And that is not just a trite answer, that is actually the reality, Mm -hmm. is to be able to surrender and to be able to submit all of the tangible items in our life, to leave room In our spirits and in our lives for the Lord to be able to step in, to be the one who brings
0: fullness to us. I think the older you get, one of the questions that begins to really plague you, I would say I'm watching people ask this question basically as soon as they have grandkids is what is my legacy? Mm -hmm. And so if you're visiting your mom or your dad for the weekend and your grandkids are with you or Mm -hmm. your kids are with you, the hoarders grandkids. It's really interesting because I, I think one of the conversations that a mom and dad, a grandma and grandpa, need to know is being had. Hey, mom, you're a hoarder, and I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously being a little terse right now, so don't say it like this. But mm-hmm. the grandkids are asking about you, mm-hmm. and so I want you to know the conversations we're having because I don't want you to be slandered behind your back, but mm-hmm. I also want you to be aware that your legacy is at risk. Is at risk right now. Because your kids are seeing you hoard what they consider to be trash and you right. consider it to be treasure at the expense of your relationship with them. Absolutely. So when the kids bump into your piles or mess them up, you get or angry or can't come at to your kids. house to visit you. Right. You get angry at the kids because they messed up your pile. And what you're showing them is that the pile is more important than the person. Yes. And so, hey, mom, the grandkids, hey, dad, the grandkids are seeing this and your legacy how people remember you for generations. When your name comes up at Thanksgiving and they say, Oh, grandma. Oh, grandpa. She was. Do hoarder. you want them to say a hoarder mm-hmm. or do you want them to say somebody who gave their entire life to Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and who mm-hmm. made a real difference? And it's never too late to repent of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people who are older, because because by and large, this is an issue that gets worse as you get older, because as we said I think yesterday and today, it's all forward motion. And so you may start this in your 20s, but by the time something like this starts in your 20s, by the time you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, this has become a huge, huge issue, right? Mm-hmm. And I would look at anybody older and say, I know deep in your heart, you want to leave a legacy of reputation for generations. And may mm-hmm. this not be your legacy. Yeah. Choose to give this away before it becomes your identity mm-hmm. after you die.
1: Absolutely, And to be centered on relationships and not things because we know that things cannot continue with us. After we die, but the value of those relationships and the impacts that we made on the lives, those things have eternal value and have the opportunity to be eternal.
0: Yep. So as we close this episode, uh, any final thoughts uh, that you want to share with the person asking this question or our audience?
1: Two final thoughts. One is if we're hoping for people to make more relational connection instead of stuff, we have to make sure that we can give them or at least facilitate the opportunity for them to have more relational connection. So if we're going to ask them to give up the stuff, which is something that they can hold in their hand and feel safe with for a relationship, we have to visit them more Mm -hmm. or help them join an astronomy club or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be for those relationships to be meaningful, to take deep root and to feed their souls. I think the second thing is. Um, my youth pastor in high school used to tell me that the friend is always more important than the friendship. And so if someone is doing something to harm themselves that's good. and is doing something that hurts them, we always have to look at the value of who they are in their spiritual well-being, their physical well-being, their emotional well-being above how that yeah. affects their relationship Every with Every
0: peacemaker listening is like, oh, that's right. like a nightmare. But right. you know what? The peacemaker can be a great friend or a terrible friend, depending Absolutely. on what they value peacemakers the most. Peacemakers
1: can be the worst friends in the world because they stop short and love fake peace, which just makes everything feel good in a moment, but actually, in the long run, destroys. Wow! And so, peacemakers, yes, they have to be willing to look at the way God's perspective is a peace and to see His redemption and yep. His resolutions enter into a situation and actually bring a peace that mm-hmm. is deep and fight.
0: Yep, that's awesome well Brian thank you and uh, I want to invite you back tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to be talking about our vaccines developed using aborted human embryos which is a throwback to a podcast mm-hmm. you did on vaccination so I want to invite our audience come back tomorrow and it's going to be a light episode <laughs> <laughs> just kidding